Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Podcast Room 303. This is episode 82. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon Mendes. This is my co-host, Nicholas Morhan. And as always, we have with us Big Head E. And before we get into anything, we just need to get it off our chest. Diego Schwartzman is probably descendant of Hitler. How are you doing this fine evening, Nick? I mean, it's just facts. That's we're a professional podcast. We're not going to lead you guys into any conspiracy theories or anything like that. That's just facts, really. I mean, that's yeah. that's all we give on the show. I don't like. Can can I make an addendum to E's nickname? It I mean, seems, as always, it would seem to me as an avid listener of Room Three Hundred Three that if we start calling him Big Head E, it seems almost like a promotion. I need to remind the people that he is still very much an intern. But a big-headed intern at that. Is that okay, Jermaine? Very much so. Yeah, very very much so. Okay. Let's uh, check I mean, in with intern big-head E. How I are mean, you I'll doing this it. fine evening, E? I'm doing good. I'll take it. You know, started as a no-name, then intern. Now I'm intern big-head. Let's keep it going. So let me, let me let me start off the show with something that I don't I don't know if the odds are, are still the same on it. But I got a text middle of the week last week. From much maligned former podcast intern, George Soto. Uh-oh! Ladies and gentlemen, tune in for a Bets from the Grave. And after his one-week successful Bets from the Grave, he literally, I think, died. Because I received no text messages until this one in the middle of the week. However, he did provide a good Bets from the Grave. So let me get on my phone here and look it up. I'm not going to be able to find him very quickly. There he okay. is. Okay. In the meantime, I already have, found it. Have... <laughs> that was very quick. Uh, he asked in the meantime, bets from the room. Too late. In the meantime, <laughs> just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> he asked in his bets from the grave, in which his text message said, "I'm back." By the way, that's four Ks. Sounds a little sp- one. Sounds a little spooky to me. Didn't Jordan? Didn't Jordan have a lot of Ks before he came back, though? It's a baseball joke for you fans out there. No, he did not. He was hitting 256. Uh, he asked. <laughs> this is from, I think this is from Bovada. It is from Bovada. Will any of these items be added to the McDonald's menu in 2022? Are you guys ready? Okay. McRib plus 150. Mighty Wings plus 175. McPizza plus 300. Fried apple pie, I thought it was already fried, plus 500. The Arch Deluxe, plus 750. Onion Nuggets, plus 1,200. And the McDLT, plus 3,000. These don't exist. They're not real items. What the fuck is this list? So there's an automatic bet. (laughs) Rick Rip, plus 150. If you can get the McRib at plus 150 to come back in 2022... You put the mortgage on that. Plus one fifty. What are go. we doing? Let's start the just... campaign now on Twitter, bro. We get it. We get it back in no time. I can influence that. Yeah, I can literally influence that bet. First of all, let me ask you this. I think I've heard of the McRib, or I, no, I've heard of the McRib, and I think I've heard of the Mighty Wings. What is a Mick Pizza? No, dude, that's they're all fake. None of those items exist. That is a made-up list created by Vegas to dupe you into spending monies on an unwinnable bet. It's What's McRib that? plus 150. <laughs> Nothing else exists. Don't well, have me giving you 150. Fly to my house and I'll fight you. That's because the McRib hasn't been back in like two and a half years because of fucking global supply chains. 
This 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 list is all messed up though because fried apple pie. The apple pie is already fried. Are they going to fry more? Uh, it, it, no, we're getting regular apple pie. This time we're getting fried <laughs> apple pie. Oh, oh they're uh, a regular slice of apple pie. Do you know what they should put on there? A workable ice cream machine, a cone, <laughs> an ice cream cone, a McDonald's yeah. dipped cone. That would be plus six thousand. How about they they put on there the SEC or sorry the FCC right the the federal F what is it the Federal Trade Commission what is the one that I think it's SEC Federal Exchange Security FEC maybe now the one that's investigating McDonald's ice cream machine yeah the FCC the Federal Commodities Commission is what there we go that's what I was just like Federal what's the second what's the first C Federal Commodities Commission let's put that on the list. Even money actually discovers a plot in these ice cream machines that were set up for them to not work. How crazy would that be? If like Ray, what, what's his name? Ray Cooper? Donovan? No, no Ray Donovan <laughs> show with Liam Schreiber. Is it what Ray Cooper's the dude that created McDonald's, right? Uh, I don't know. Kevin and then he Austin. had a racist son who played for the Eagles, Riley Cooper. Get the fuck out of here, Riley Cooper. E, look up who created McDonald's. And while you're doing that, we have a special limited time offer for those listeners at home. It expires October 31st. <laughs> First person are you really too drunk to, to use this code gets 20% off plus free shipping on your next $50 purchase. No, E, you can't use this code. From, it's for the listeners. From Fanatics, Fans Edge, NFL Shop, MLB Shop, NBA Store, NHL Shop, NASCAR Shop, MLS Store, and NCAA Shop. The code is Romeo Victor 63 Tango Whiskey Zulu Whiskey Juliet. I'll repeat that for the listeners at home trying to copy this down. The First listeners come, are like, how do I fit all those words into the box? First come, first su- first first some. First come, first first, first come for some. Later come for others. <laughs> Always first for me. Romeo Victor Sixer Three Tango Whiskey Zulu Whiskey Juliet. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Twenty percent off your next purchase, Shows plus free shipping on fifty dollars or more. That's a e, great who fucking deal. McDonald's. Uh, it was Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc. Laura is, Kroc's father. Nick is Nick is a load of Kroc, as always. All right. So we got a good episode for you guys, even though we're seven minutes in and nothing real has happened yet. But we'll be talking about the MLB CS is the championship series for the NL and the AL, as well as World Series predictions. We will also be talking about week seven. Biggest surprises, disappointments as always, and then we'll get into the week eight betting slate. NBA model is humming as usual. We'll give you a few NBA bets for this week. And then we'll talk about the rest of the board besides the head-to-head, which, by the way, I am crushing. If you've been following this show weekly, you know that I am carrying the torch for the fade us podcast motto and nobody else seems to understand what fade us means and therefore we will get into it nick how about this playoff baseball 
E is E. e let, let, before we get into playoff baseball, E is getting pretty irate. By the way, I actually want Jermaine to go O and eighteen because each week that Jermaine keeps losing, E keeps questioning whether he's good at this and keeps getting fired up because he thinks that Jermaine needs to start picking winners. Which even if he picked winners, would only finish the year eleven and seven. If he picked all winners. I but it would be winners. a more impressive it would be a more impressive feat to literally stick to the show's motto, which is fade us, and pick all eighteen winners. You should just pick a ridiculous bet every week. I am picking winners. That's all I've done. If you fade me, you're getting winners. So I know you are. I didn't mention it earlier at the beginning of the show, but uh, we will also get into the NBA award season. Give you a few, get a, give you a little insight into what we think happens at the end of the year when awards are handed out. These are less likely to hit. So again, follow podcast motto, fade us, and you'll make good money. So in uh, real quick, in honor of it being World Series and basketball season getting going, you mentioned it earlier. I'm, 20 bucks for whichever one of you gets the closest to this. Can you guys guess Michael Jordan's actual batting average from when he was in the minors? For when he was in the minors, 218. 223. It was 202. Yay, I won it. Let's go. $20. Isn't that technically Price is Right rules? We both went over, so nobody wins. No, it's oh, actually it's your. Yeah, you know what? Never mind. You know what? It's your money, Eric. But Jermaine is the clear and obvious winner. I was wrong. He was the closest. He's a clear and obvious winner. Good job, Jermaine. I shake your hand. That's a well earned twenty dollars there, sir. Oh, I still need to. I still need to buy that eighteen rack. By the way, that, that I won for the Abs Blackhawks. Let's talk about playoffs. No, baseball. that's expired, bro. Oh well, it's expired. I'm sorry. Place. I'm sorry. That was the other Fans Edge promotion that I ran oh, a few darn. episodes back. Yeah, that expired October 17th. All right, so playoff baseball right now. The AL champs, the Houston Astros, facing the NL champs, the Atlanta Braves. If you listen to my advice, I told you to, at the beginning of the playoffs, bet the Astros to win the AL. I said the Dodgers would win the NL. Uh, The Braves have put it on in the playoffs. Their pitching has been incredible, but... Even so, their bullpen has been better than that. If Here, not for basically facing the Dodgers offense, who the Dodgers actually had the most impressive bullpen going into the NLCS. Both teams kind of put on an offensive performance that we really didn't expect, given that given those pitching staffs. Yeah, they, they outperformed projections for sure, but... Um, Playoff baseball is different. We've seen it before. I mean, the Astros and uh, man, what was it? Was the Astros Dodgers in that World Series where the the runs were? We were seeing thirteen, eleven games in in the World Series. So recently, yep. playoff baseball seems much more juiced on offense when it comes down to it. Uh, if you listen to us when we first began covering playoff baseball. We went through the odds for each team to win the World Series. And the Braves came in at, I believe, either it was 1,300 or 1,500. And Nick and I could not believe the odds we were given. And we told you to bet the Braves. The odds were just too good to pass up. And here you are, 
four games removed from potentially ca- cashing a plus $1,500 bet. So, and I'm going to, and, and for the people at home, I'm going to give you a little bit of, of kind of reassurance here. The Astros have a better offense than the Braves. That's, that's, that's for sure. Right. They were able to slug it out with Boston, who I thought would beat the Astros because Boston and, and Houston, their pitching staffs kind of were similar. Their bullpens were largely similar. Houston's bullpen was a little bit worse than Boston's, but Boston's offense is really what was what was going to carry the day if you have even pitching staffs like that. Fran Valdez was amazing for Houston. He locked it down in the games he needed to lock it down. He really stymied the Boston offense and didn't let basically in games where the Houston offense didn't really step up. Um, that being said, you can say the exact same thing about Braves pitching and the Braves have a better bullpen. The Braves will not win a shootout against Houston and the Braves need their starters to throw five or six good innings to beat the Astros, but they have a better bullpen than the Astros and they have much better pitching than the Astros. That is why I think in the playoffs, pitching, starting pitching and bullpens matter way more than what your offense is because offense offense will always regress to the means. I think Atlanta's winning this series. Yeah, honestly, this this series gives me the vibe of the Nationals. When the Nationals won the World Series and they were dogs and Juan Soto went on an amazing hot streak that put them over and they had uh, Rendon, the third baseman, Trey Turner, Scherzer, this Braves team gives me the same exact five as that Nationals team. Just a, you know, just a f- few years removed. It has the same thing, but I don't think it plans out. I don't think it plays out that way. <clears throat> I really don't. I- for, for some reason, I think the Strohs, <laughs> it has been built up. And you know me, I'm a more of a storylines driven guy and it's been built up too much for them not to cash in now. Dusty Baker to get his to get his championship. Has Dusty Baker ever won before? No. You know, Carlos. I think, this, I think this is the first time Dusty Baker as a manager has even been to the World Series. Unless he there went with the go. Giants. Unless he went with the Giants in 03. Can you look that up, Eric? If Dusty Baker was the Giants manager when they went. Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Jordan, Jordan, what is it, Alvarez? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Tucker for the for the Strohs. I I honestly think all signs point to Braves being the the better team right now, based on the postseason we've seen. I just think the Astros somehow squeak it out. They shouldn't have beat the Red Sox, and they did. The Red, the Red Sox were the better team, and the Strohs ended up beating them. And I couldn't explain to you why. And I feel like the same thing is going to happen. We're not going to be able to explain it, but we're going to be sitting here at the end of no, in the middle, the beginning of November, actually. And we're going to be saying, Strohs are World Series champions. Who would have thought? I guess it wasn't the sign stealing that made them good. Yeah. I, so I'll say this, right? Looking at the stats from a batting perspective, Atlanta is more efficient. Atlanta, Atlanta has less hits than Houston, but Atlanta has been more efficient with their hits. So they have more, basically, 
more a higher percentage of their hits are doubles, triples, and home runs. Houston also commits a lot of errors, right? They committed five errors in that Boston series alone, right? That's not going to work against a team like Atlanta that that can run it. Looking from the pitching side, Houston has given up 14 home runs over 10 games in the postseason. If you're into if you're a math magician, that's 1.4 home runs a game, right? Jorge Soler already hit one today. If there's any kryptonite to the Astros pitching staff, it's going to be that they give up too many home runs. And the games that they give up home runs, they normally lose. Yeah, but they were playing much better teams though. Well, the but- Dodgers, the Dodgers offense was anemic this postseason. The hitters they had did not show up and perform. And before that, the Braves faced the Brewers. So if you told me they had less home runs, I'm not shocked when the Strohs faced the Red Sox, who had multiple grand slams in a series. 11 home runs in the first five games for Boston, by the way. That's exactly. They had that many home runs and lost. But, but, but what I'm saying is that Houston gives up a lot of home runs. I'm not saying it's going to be the well, – I, I, I know that's what I'm saying. If Houston loses this series, it's going to be because they give too many offensive opportunities to Atlanta because they can't play with it. They, they, if, if their pitching staff and their bullpen gives up runs, they don't win ball games. Their offense can score. We saw that in the Boston series. But if their pitching staff gives up runs, they lose games. And against Boston's uh, – against, sorry, against Atlanta's bullpen, they're they're just they're they're not going to win the series, and I don't think they win the series. I think it goes to six or seven, but I just I don't think it. I don't think Houston wins the series. I think Houston wins it. Personally, I don't. I think the I don't. I think the Braves got lucky to be here. So what are we putting on it? No, I'm not betting you. Why not? Because we're opposite, though. Is it just because it's not our teams? Yeah, I don't give a fuck about this. If they can both fucking lose this World Series, I'm fucking rooting for that. Why do you want the Braves to lose? You should want the Braves to win. No, I don't care. Both of them suck. (laughs) Are they the Cubs? Answer me one question. Are they the Cubs? No, they're not the Cubs. No, they're not. So eat my fucking shorts. I don't give a fuck if you win or lose. What's the Dusty Baker info, E? Uh, So this is his first World Series and his second um, AL, uh, this last ALCS was the second uh, championship series he'd been in since 03. And he with, went to the 03 one with the Giants. No, no, no. Um, with the that Cubs. Was with the Cubs, and they yeah. lost in the ALCS. Or NLCS, sorry. <clears throat> exactly. They lost if to du- the Giants, if, right? That, exactly. If Dusty Baker was oh coach, Your boy's good. If Dusty Baker was coaching the Cubs, then we'd have a different story, and I'd bet it. But I don't give a fuck about this series. I don't. That, do I want the Strohs to win? No. That means the Manfred Mafia has failed in full pursuit of what they've done. And we already know about the blood red Braves jersey and their racist ass city that will not allow them to have an all-star game. Honestly, I just love the storyline that no matter what Rob Manfred did, this is the worst World Series he could get. And I, I happily appreciate it. And to be honest, I was just talking out my ass. I hope one of these two teams definitely wins just so we can laugh at Rob Manfred. What a fucking loser. 
What a loser. Also, this week I was, I forgot what I was doing. I was cleaning. I was organizing my comics. I was doing something. And a random thought came to me. And I was just like, what a fantastic punishment it would be if a team like the Strohs got caught stealing signs. And instead of vacating the World Series, which obviously they didn't because Manfred doesn't have the stones, they their entire next season, it's all road games. 162 road games. No, no revenue generated from your home stadium. Your players don't get to stay at home the entire season. How wild would a 162 road game season be? And then if they win on top of that, it's the greatest team ever. There's, there's got to be something in the, in the, like the CBA that prevents him from doing that. Hey, there's also got to be something that prevents you from stealing signs. I've, I've told you my opinion on the sign stealing. Nobody cares. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right then. Well, I guess I've only been on this podcast with nobody caring for 82 episodes. No, I've, 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 I've told you. I mean, if you guys have listened, I've told you my opinion on the sign stealing. It was, is what the Astros did wrong? Of course, yes. It's against the rules of baseball. MLB launched an investigation into the Astros stealing signs. Basically, this investigation found no wrongdoing or it found wrongdoing by the Astros and and punished people involved. Didn't punish people as harshly as maybe they should have because in their investigation of all 30 teams in MLB baseball, Rob Manfred and or really just the commissioner's office who launched this investigation found that on all 30 MLB teams, there was some element of sign stealing or cheating involved. Because if one team is doing it, you can't imagine that every, like people know it's a network league. If one team is doing it and finding success, the other team will know, uh, other teams will know about it and they'll start trying to do it. The Astros did it the best, or they kept it cl- closer to the chest. But the reason that they weren't punished harshly, which is having wins stripped, having series stripped, is that Rob Manfred found that this was a widespread issue across the league with cheating. And the next team that does it will get absolutely slammed. Fine. 162 road games then. For the next team that does it. Yeah. Wouldn't that be an outstanding punishment though? Yeah. I mean, it would could completely cripple that team stadium though. Exactly. That's what you fucking get for cheating. That's that would, the point. That would, be like, that would be like the SMU death penalty, pretty much. That's the point. They find them five million dollars. Tell me they didn't earn five million dollars in their first yeah, twenty. I home mean, games. yeah, of course, five million dollars is ridiculous for a franchise. Exactly. You like, should find them eighty-two million dollars at one hundred and sixty-two road games. <laughs> no home game in that stadium. I say I did, you. I, I, I say you let that, them. I say you let them have home games in the first half of the season, and then you take them away in the second half. No, I, dude, 162 road games. Then, That's then, cool. and if only then does this Strohs team, right? Hypothetically, we're talking about the Strohs specifically. If they come out with a 93 and 70 record, or whatever, whatever the record would be, if they won 90 games, all road games. It's, they proved you wrong. It's not the science stealing. It's a win-win for everyone involved. They're just a good fucking team. Maybe I don't. I don't ever see that punishment coming down because, like you said, I you you have I I li- I would like to believe the theory that Rob Manfred is running things behind the scenes and trying to literally single-handedly degrade Houston Athletics 
while he's at it. I just think he's an inept commissioner, to be honest. No, he's not. He leads the Manfred Mafia. That is why the Braves will win this series. <laughs> okay, there you hear it. You just, I just had to talk to Jermaine for 15 minutes, and he changed his opinion. So there you go, professional I, I just, So we both agree the Braves are winning the series. I just want the Strohs to win because it'd be the worst thing to happen for baseball. You know what I mean? You hit them with this penalty. There's a big fucking deal. They stole all this shit. And guess what? They're World Series champs again in spite of them. Yep. It would certainly suck for baseball. <clears throat> that's for sure. Yeah. And I think that's hysterical. Personally. Because Rob Manfred's a goon. And I try to have his back on this podcast, even though I know he's he has, he's not. He just stinks. He's trash, as Nick said. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move into the NBA uh, awards. So uh, just a few crazy stats from the first three or four games of the season. Some teams have played two. Some teams have played four. Don't ask me why the NBA has it that uh, unorganized, but they do. Damian Lillard is shooting 8.6% from the three-point line. Is that good? Minimum 20 attempts. So, do over under this continues? <laughs> I say over. <laughs> yeah, he's going to keep shooting 8%, obviously. Dame Lillard's trash. <laughs> I was blown away by that. Now, another thing, 20.5 rebounds a game for Rudy Gobert. Mm -hmm. We think that continues. We think that's an outlier. I think it goes up. Yeah, twenty five a game, right? Yeah, I think he. I know. I think he ends with thirty a game. Thirty the season. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If not thirty five. Yeah. So he's played two games so far. So he's got to <laughs> average what, like forty two more rebounds per game from here yeah, on out. I yeah, it's so. easy. That's easy. that's only that's only probably the NBA average. That's <laughs> only every board for each team. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like game long averages. If only our intern would look up what the average is for rebounds, huh? Instead of he's just too, sitting, he's too busy watching trash basketball. Yeah, no, the Sixers already lost. <laughs> Zing! All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting into a little bit of the prop bets. Like we said last week, we went over the over unders for win totals. Hope you tuned in at that, to that episode. If you have not. Hit the pause button, go back, hit play, listen, get your bets in now. A lot of them are hitting. We definitely missed the boat on the Hornets over under. The Hornets are going to beat their over, and we should have known. I remember sitting here and asking you guys specifically, do we take? Do we think LaMelo takes the next step? And all three of us looked at each other like, Maybe, and none of us had the stones to bet it. And if we would have bet it, geez Louise, would we have been looking smart right now. But instead, you're listening to a podcast with a big bunch of big dumb dummies and don't remember to fade us. So with that being said, we'll get into the regular season MVP for 2022. Luka Doncic leads with 450 odds. Giannis is 550. Kevin Durant is 650. Joel Embiid is 900. Steph Curry is 450. Why would they put him fifth if he's the same as the oh, I was just I was just yeah, I'm looking at it too. Why is Steph Curry <laughs> fifth if he's 450? 
I don't know. Don't ask me, ladies and gentlemen. I don't. This is all messed up. I don't control these websites. Let me let me make sure I'm I'm reading correct now. All right. So Steph Curry comes in at 450. Then you have Jokic at 1500. He's the reigning MVP for those of you listening. You have LeBron at plus 1600, who rolled his ankle and missed today's game. We don't know the rest of his status. Then you have two people coming in at 1800. You have Damian Lillard and James Harden. And we'll stop at 2000 with Trey Young. If there's a name you didn't hear from me, you can ask me. I can give you the odds. If they're not on here, just assume it's infinite. I have a question. Isn't Victor Oladipo out for the season? No, he's not. He had surgery in May, and he's expected to be back mid to late November. Okay. Yeah, but I mean that dude. That dude will be back for twenty games and then have but another knee surgery. So Tyler, Tyler Hero is is healthy and playing, right? Yeah, he is. He's actually playing really well. So if you look at the MVP odds on Bovada right now, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Tyler Hero is plus one hundred thousand to win the MVP. Victor Oladipo is plus fifty thousand. Okay, I mean, if we're looking at numbers, yeah, Jeremy Grant's at plus 50,000 as well. He plays for the Pistons. Are we just picking random numbers now? No, but I'm just saying Tyler Hero, a guy that is playing and healthy and is a decent ball player, is at plus 100,000 to win MVP. He's double Victor Oladipo is what you're saying. Yes. Okay, I get what you're saying now. I I was just like, are we just picking names? I just placed a $1 bet. Yep. I've just placed a $1 bet on Tyler Hero to win it. That's hysterical, bro. He was such trash last year. And the best part is, is he's playing good right now. He spent this whole offseason audaciously saying that he should be in the same conversation as Eric can back me up here. It was Trey Young. Um, God, who was it? Trey Young. Was it Devin Booker? It was a lot of the young players that everyone's just gushing about. Tyler Hero said that he should be in the same conversation as these players. So the fact that you got him at plus 100,000. Let's <laughs> just put a dollar on it. What is that? That pays a thousand. That pays a thousand dollars. If he wins MVP, I'm going ballistic. If, if he wins MVP, I will post a dick pic on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody trying to see that. That's like <laughs> it's a right, so lose. <laughs> when 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 I heard you start naming names before I opened the link to Bavada, Steph Curry sounded very good for me to win MVP. But now I know that he's co-leader with Luka Doncic. Plus four fifty is still good money. I'll throw my hat in the ring with Steph Curry plus four fifty to win MVP. Yeah, that's not a bad bet. I I was just con- I, what I'm starting to think is is that. Steph Curry came in with higher odds. And after the first three games, Golden State's one of the three undefeated teams. Shout out Chicago and Utah. Um, I think his odds dropped significantly because Vegas was like, oh, shit, we might have got that wrong. (laughs) And he's like, he is the only unanimous MVP in league history. (laughs) We might have missed the boat. And he's balling. And he's balling. So, all right, I respect that. E, what do you got? Uh, as far as my pick, I'm, I'm Giannis. It's gonna have to be Giannis for me this year at plus five fifty. I like what I like the one that you mentioned earlier, but I'll leave that one for you because, you know, I'm not trying to hear that for the rest of the week. Which one did I say? 
You don't remember for pre-show the guy that you said? Uh, he, I'll tell you right now, he's plus three thousand odds to win it. Oh no, hold on, I don't know what I was talking about. Oh yeah, I know what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The alcohol's the alcohol is taking over. I am struggling this show, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually love Paul George for MVP. I the story, the narrative is there. No Kawhi Leonard, no other bona fide star playing in that LA market, a stacked Western Conference, and you can get Paul George at plus three thousand. Not only that, he's already been balling, and if his team had a little more oomph, a little more pow, they'd be two and zero right now. Steph Curry was absolutely unconscious in the first game of the season. He went nine for nine to open the game. <laughs> like five of them, then were three points shots and they lost by two to them. Then they came back, lost to the young upstart Grizzlies who this podcast has over on win totals. And they lost by six. I think Paul George has the makings of Russell Westbrook's MVP season. It's stacked against him, and if he doesn't go nuclear, this Clippers team does not get a chance to defend their Western Conference Finals appearance, and I don't think anyone in that organization wants that to happen, and they're going to try their damnedest to get it. All right, with that being said, no, they're sleepers. DeMar DeRozan plus 20,000 is nice because he plays for the Bulls, but we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, Coach of the Year. Coach of the year, <laughs> oddly enough, my my pick is the front runner of this. So I'll just go ahead and start first. I have Billy Donovan as the coach of the year, plus 900. Then you have Eric Spolstra, plus 900. Steve Kerr, plus 1,000. Steve Nash, 1,000 as well. You have Monty Williams at 1,200. Quinn Snyder at 1,200. Nate McMillan at 1,400. Michael Malone at 1,500, Frank Vogel at 1,600, Ime Udoka at 1,800, Jason Kidd at 1,800, and you have you have uh, four coming in at plus 2,000 in James Brago for Charlotte, Mike Budenholzer, Milwaukee, Rick Carlisle, Indiana, and Tyron Lou Clippers. All right, anybody have any thoughts? I'm gonna parlay your 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 Paul George. Or I'm going to play off your Paul George MVP pick. If you think Paul George is going to have the year that he's having, and the Clippers are going to be uh, looking to upgrade at the deadline to give PG more weapons, that Tyron Lewitt plus two thousand to win Coach of the Year when people don't expect him to do anything, I think has a lot of value. Yeah, I respect that. That's a, I think that's a good pick. I do, yeah. So, uh, if I obviously I think that because I have Paul George, but uh, Eric, what do you think on any of this? Is there someone that you didn't hear name and you want the odds for that person? So I agree with you that I actually do think it's going to be Billy D up in Chicago, uh, but somebody to keep an eye on because he has his team full back at strength, and we'll see if these uh, young players take the next step. But Taylor Jenkins down in Memphis at plus two twenty. Oh, I'm sorry, plus twenty two hundred. Um, I mean, hey, it's it's a flyer, but uh, you know, he's got that team playing lights out right now and they're young and they take the next step. He could be a candidate. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but, uh, you know, 
throw some pizza money on it and see what happens. Uh, yeah, that's actually that's actually good. Uh, you, I love how you guys are all in the same spot. Taylor Jenkins comes right behind Tyron Lou on the board. It's just the odds are so great for these candidates. It almost makes no sense to to skip them. I was actually wondering if anyone on this pod would take what we talked about last week. Tom Thibodeau is sitting at T, yep. 25 to 2,500 with the New York Knicks. And we've seen what the Knicks are doing so far. Obviously we're four games in. We're not, we're not <laughs> just sitting here and saying someone's winning a chip or losing the seat. We're not doing that. So but, that I, I like it. That's smart money, but for him to win this year, I think he'd have to do so much drastically better than what they did last year. And I think, you know, did he win coach of the did he win coach of the year last year or was it Monty? No, I think it was Monty Williams last year. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's gonna have to do a lot better than what he did last year with the Knicks, which they will be better team. But I don't know if he's gonna do a better coaching job because he's got so much more talent this year. Yeah, but I mean, ten more wins in a two seed in the Eastern Conference does that not put him in the running for coach of the year? I think it does. I, like I said, it's a smart bet. Like if you're if you are you know try, trying to take a smart risk to win some money, can't go wrong with him uh, with Tom Thibodeau. But I'm just saying, like trying to think as one of these voters, like you know they might not see that much of an improvement from last year. We'll see though. But it is a good pick. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I definitely think, I definitely think the Knicks have the chance to hit 50 wins this year. And if the Knicks hit mid 50s, that instantly puts him in the running. And I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think the top four in the East doesn't finish the way, doesn't shake out the way we thought it was going to shake out. We have a lot of surprises when that comes in at the end of it. Personally, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you have Milwaukee, Atlanta, Chicago, and New York in the top four. I mean, and then, and then Tommy T is top three coach of the year. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but there is something in my gut just thinking about the season right now that it's not out of the realm of possibility that Miami and Brooklyn struggle to gel and then finish lower than anticipated. Now, am I betting against him in the playoffs? Fuck no. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying at all. Regular season is different. I'm just – I thought that was uh, – I think that's, that's not – that is ROC. That's how I talk about this stuff. That is within a range of outcome that is not out of this world. But I think we've spent enough time on this uh, coaching's list. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next one. So we'll do defensive player of the year and then six man. And do, 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 do. Yeah, I don't see. Uh, they don't have rookie of the year on this list. Okay. All right. So I guess this is the next two we'll do and then we'll move on. So defensive player of the year. Rudy Gobert comes in at plus 350. We talked about him earlier. He's averaging 20.5 rebounds. It's He's played two games, so relax, ladies and gentlemen. You have Anthony Davis at plus 650. You have Ben Simmons plus 650. Giannis plus 900. Miles Turner plus 900. Embiid plus 1,000. Bam Adebayo plus 1,400. Draymond Green plus 2,000. Drew Holiday plus 2,200. Batiste Teibel. Plus 2,500 and Mitchell Robinson plus 2,500. And we'll end it there. If you have a name you didn't hear, let me know and we'll move on. So, what do you guys think on the defensive player of the year? You got it first, Eric. Uh, so, I mean, 
obviously, I think one of the you know the one of the guys with the worst odds is going to win. Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert will probably end up winning it again. Giannis will be right up there. But somebody who doesn't get talked a lot because he plays in Cleveland. But if they're doing base just off of performance, Jared Allen at plus 5,000 is really good. That dude's a block monster. Um, just out of the guys that you didn't name, you know, throw a little money on him. But uh, I honestly think Giannis is going to win it this year. I, I, I watched the first few games from them and. I could see him winning MVP and DPO, like Defensive Player of the Year. It's crazy how that dude's playing right now. <laughs> He's gotten better. He, it's unreal. He, it, Lonzo Ball and Giannis Attentacumpo are examples that Ben Simmons does not care, and Ben Simmons does not work on his game. It's unreal. Giannis has come back. His free throw routine was getting counted down in the playoffs, and he didn't give a fuck. He stuck to it. He shot it. And in the decisive game, he went 16 for 18 from the free throw line and won that. And now he's back. His routine is about five seconds long, and he looks like a better free throw shooter. It looks like that performance carried on. He is more confident shooting from distance, whether it's from elbow extended or from behind the three-point line. Lonzo Ball's shot is completely different from when he came in. From he came in this janky kid, no muscle. He caught the ball, swung it across his face, and shot it. It was some crazy Peja Stojakovic type looking shot, and it didn't even hit. And I'm just I'm just blown away by how much better Giannis is going. I have my odds on Lonzo at plus five thousand. Lonzo Ball at plus 5,000 wins defensive player of the year. Don't at me. You see me in the streets. Get ready to square up. I will drop you. And with that being said, we'll move on to Nick's pick. If he has one. I don't really have one. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think so. Defensive player of the year feel, always feels status quo, so I'm not always thrilled about that one. And we'll move on to six men. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me laugh. Nick put a dollar on the leading candidate for six men, <laughs> which is ridiculous to me. How is he a hundred thousand for MVP, but then plus five hundred for six man? <laughs> He's the runaway favorite for six man. It almost feels like you have to bet him for six man now, right? It almost does, right? Okay, so let me give you the odds before we move into picks. Tyler Hero comes in at plus 500. Jordan Clarkson, reigning sixth man of the year, plus 700. You have Jordan Poole out of the Golden State Warriors, plus 900. You have Patty Mills, plus 1,000 with the Brooklyn Nets. You have Joe Ingles, plus 1,600 with the Utah Jazz. You have Derrick Rose, plus 2,000. And I'll wrap up up to 2,500. So at 2,200, we have Kevin Herter tied with Tyrese Halliburton for the Sacramento Kings. And you have a four-place tie for 2,500. Buddy Hield, Cam Reddish, Dennis Schroeder, and Goran Dragic. Uh, I don't really look down to this list and see anything exciting. It's definitely coming from the top of the list. I'm going to go ahead and let Nick go first. Who do you got? Uh, I mean, I kind of have to pick <laughs> Hero, don't I? <laughs> yeah, I think you pigeon pigeonholed yourself. Yeah, I've already kind of, I've already kind of thrown my thrown my weight in. If I hadn't have thrown my weight in, Jordan Clarkson looks like a guy that I would probably pick. <laughs> I thought you were going to end it. <laughs> looks like a guy. I'm like, well, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Clarkson. All these guys on the list look like guys. They're professional basketball <laughs> players. And uh, on to you, Eric. <laughs> 
Uh, honestly, man, I, I think it's too early to, but I mean, I'm gonna give a, a shout out to a Sixers player. I'll take Shake Milton at plus five thousand. That dude's Jeez. we're gonna need we're gonna need a lot of offense with <laughs> coming from that six man role this year. So hopefully he steps up. He's not even the highest Sixer. <laughs> he went down that list, bro. <laughs> Matisse Stiebel at plus 5,000 is a higher Sixer. According to this list, my man just went deep, deep, deep. <laughs> He's just like, this may be my last time calling this. And <laughs> oh, I messed it up. And he went deep. Back, back. Castellanos with it. It's 4-2. <laughs> Castellanos with a deep drive, and that makes it 4 2. Considering <laughs> myself a man of faith. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. Shake Melton. There it is, bro. Um, so, so, are, so, Jermaine, let me, let me ask your opinion on the six man. Do you feel like betting six man for the people out there, it's better to pick a dominant team? Let's go Lakers, Nets, uh, Jazz. It's better to pick kind of that ilk of teams and then pick the guy that you think will play most off the bench for them, or is it better to pick a, or, or, or yeah, I guess just answer that question. Is that, is that the best way to approach betting NBA six man? No, I don't think so at all. So Lou Williams won the six man of the year award a fuck ton. And he didn't necessarily do it from a very prominent teams who weren't always the best, weren't always in the front runner. They were they were somewhere in there. But the way you would approach this situation is you're looking for a guy who doesn't start the game for his team, but closes the game for his team. So you're look, go ahead. I I honestly would would say the opposite to you, Nick, because I'm looking here at the last winners. Right, let's just go from from 2011 here. Lamar Odom, Los Angeles Lakers. They were championship contenders. James Harden, Oklahoma City Thunder, championship contenders. J.R. Smith, New York Knicks, that might be the outlier. Uh, Jamal Crawford, Clippers. Lou Williams, Raptors. Jamal Crawford, Clippers. That's when they had Chris Paul and all them. Then you get Eric Gordon with the Rockets. Lou Will and Montrez Harrell, uh, Clippers. And then you get Clarkson with the Jazz. All those teams were playoff contending teams, championship aspiration teams. So I think maybe there is some sort of correlation with being that sixth man on one of the best teams in the league. Each one of those guys closed games for those teams, though. Right? J.R. Smith closed games for those teams. You have the Raptors winner closing games for his team. Right? Eric Gordon won it for the Rockets before the Rockets were anything special. Right? That's what I'm saying. These players close games for the teams. Lou Will, Montres Harrell won six man for the Clippers, but when it was fourth quarter... They were closing for the team. And one of the things for each of those players, and this is what you cannot predict, they had injuries. Eric Gordon started most that year. Lou Williams, when he, whenever he won it, he started about 20, 20-something games a year. Eric Gordon started a ton of games that year that he won. Montrez Harrell started the entire, like, I think first 35 games that season. Like, these are players who are playing prominent minutes at the end. And that's what it is. It's these crunch time players who are winning it. The only exception I could think of immediately is Jordan Clarkson. Right? Because Jordan Clarkson probably didn't close the game for them most of the time. 
except Mike Conley was hurt. So he closed it when Mike Conley was, was out. That that's what you can't predict. What you're looking for is you're shooting for a guy who's playing big minutes when it matters. So with that logic, did they rob Joe Ingles last year? Cause he was definitely closing games for Utah. Yeah. Well, he was runner up to Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. So I'm saying, but did he get robbed? Cause he was, he was hitting big time shots and big time minutes. Yeah, I, I agree. And I honestly like Jordan Clarkson played the most efficient year of his career. And I'm not going to sit here and argue that he should have won the six man. But with that logic, Joe Ingle, Joe Ingle should have won it over Jordan Clarkson personally. All right. I just want to check because, you know, I, I thought he got robbed, but. Yeah, I, I think so, too. But Jordan Clarkson had the most efficient year of his career, and I cannot sit here and take that away. So, Do you have the game on? Did you just see that crazy-ass Jordan Clarkson layup he just did as we're talking about him? <laughs> no, I didn't. I missed it. I missed Priceless. it. All right, so I have Jordan Poole at plus 900. Golden State Warriors, he's got a lot of hype coming into the season. That's who I have for my six men. All right, I think that's all we have for the NBA. We're going to go ahead and move on to week seven. Biggest surprises, biggest disappointments. We'll start off with Nick and his biggest uh, – well, he can decide. If you want to go surprise first, you can. You want this one, then you can. So before surprise and disappointments, apparently this is this has been now two weeks in a running that we've had – two weeks in the running that we've had NFL games end in scores that have never happened before. So, I'm going to ask you guys two questions. And the score last week, by the way, the Cardinals-Texans ended in a final score of 31-5. to That has never happened in an NFL game before. My first question for both of you is how many missing game scores are there in NFL history? Missing? Like, what do you mean Missing game scores. Like, they've never been, it's never been scored. So, like, like for the, example, the numbers have a never game been has hit. never ended 2-2. <laughs> bro, I would love to see that, bro. <laughs> has the game ended 0-0? Zero, zero? A game has me? ended 0-0, zero, zero, at least Get on this list. Get the fuck out has. of here. That's crazy. Uh, all right, so you're asking how many have let, Hold on. Let me, let me go to this all. Let me go to all this, to all this game scores. So, but what are the parameters? Like, just out of all the numbers, or like realistic numbers? Yeah, out of all the numbers, like oh, of all cool. the scores to have happened. Well, the 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 cap would be seventy seventy, and zero zero okay, game a zero zero game. Jermaine has happened seventy three times in NFL history. Do you Get wanna, the fuck out of here! Do you want to do you want to do you want to know the last time it happened? Take a guess. The last time it happened, two thousand nine. Detroit Lions, New York Giants. <laughs> That's got to be the 80s. That's got to be the 80s. What year is it? Oh, is he freezing? 1943. Oh, 1943. Damn, that was a long time ago. That's wild. All right. Yeah, so I so from 70 so so all the uh, all the possible game scores up to 70 points to 70 points in NFL history. How many scores have missed? I don't or think how many scores I, are we missing? I don't think it's that. I don't think it's as much as we're going to think it is. I'm going to go 17 game scores have not been hit. So, right. you, I, so my logic here, and I might be completely off, but I'm thinking 0, 0, 0, 001, 0, 02, all the way up to 70. It's got to be like 1500 to 2000 that we haven't touched. Because that's that's an infinite list of numbers. Whatever, I'll so say fifteen hundred. I'll say fifteen hundred. 
Eric, you are closest. There is fourteen hundred and nineteen wow. missing game scores. Out of how many? What's the possible number? Yeah, there's got to no be no idea. Where are you getting this arbitrary number from then? This is from Pro, fo- <laughs> Pro Football Reference. No, they just didn't give you the max number. I bet. I just didn't think it would be that many. Pro Football Reference. If zero zero happened seventy three times, I was just like, we hit all the other ones. <laughs> we all had right. to hit all the other. Now ones. my, now my second question is: What is the most? What is the highest occurring score in NFL history? It has happened two hundred and seventy one times. The last coming September of this year. September of this year? Uh, 28, 23. 24, 21? Uh, 24, 21 is the seventh all time. Oh, uh, I don't see 28, 21 in the top 30. No, I said 28, 23, but it's probably not. I, I don't see 28 in the top in the top 30. It is 20 to 17. 20 to 17 oh has Oh my god. <laughs> 20 to 17 has occurred 271 times, the most recently being Chicago Bears Cincinnati Bengals this year. I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. 2017 my, is the baseline of over over/unders. My biggest uh, surprise this week, Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow throws for over 400 yards. Jamar Chase, 200 yards. I mean, Cincinnati has become a legitimate playoff contender in the AFC. I'm very much disappointed in you. This was, you your big, this was your biggest surprise? You told me you'd be issuing an apology on this podcast. Yeah. I will, I will issue an apology if you let me get to it. <laughs> All right, you know what? No, you're right. You're right, though. You're right. This is this 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 is not. This is. I will not. I I will say this is not my biggest surprise. All right. My biggest surprise this last week was how awful the Carolina Panthers have become. I knew they'd be <laughs> awful, but they have become terrible. My biggest disappointment this week is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes threw for two through 35 times. He only completed 20 touchdown or uh, sorry, 20 touchdown passes. <laughs> yeah, he threw for 206 yards. He only completed 20 passes. He threw for no touchdowns. I believe he threw three picks, correct, Eric? Let me see here. I don't think it I was bl- that much. I think it was I think he turned it over twice. I don't know if it was three picks. So anyway, Tennessee whooped Kansas City. Basically, he got he got a helmet to the knee. He sat out like the last half of the fourth quarter, but the game was over anyway. He gave he, he had playing, one interception. He is he playing had, fast and loose with the football, and it's not working in Kansas City. This is where I get to my apology. I no longer think he's the best quarterback in his draft class. <laughs> because even though and the reason that I say Cincinnati is not my surprise is because I think back to the beginning of the year where my most audacious prediction was Joe Burrow wins MVP and the Bengals make the playoffs. Yep. So they're not a surprise to me. But mm-hmm. even in a 41-17 to 17 drubbing by the Bengals, Lamar Jackson threw some of the best. Now, he only completed 50% of his, touch, of, of his passes. But he... Th- 
over the last couple of weeks, has thrown some of the best passes and fit him into tight windows that I've ever seen him throw. And he's playing better than Patrick Mahomes. So I want to issue, I'm ready to welcome Lamar Jackson into the ranks of quarterback. Wow. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Wow. You heard it here. The prognosticator for Lamar, the running back, Jackson, has officially abandoned ship and recognized him as professional level quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go that. I think he's elev- he's, he's he is the greatest semi-professional quarterback in NFL history, above <laughs> Kevin Cobb of the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> wow, didn't expect a Kevin Cobb reference. All right, so there you had it. Carolina Panthers' biggest uh, uh, what did he say? Biggest surprise, I guess. Biggest surprise. I'm surprised they're this surprised this bad. This bad. That's correct. Because uh, we had a discussion earlier in the week. Uh, I asked him if the Atlanta Falcons were not the worst team in the NFC South. He scoffed. And now this week we'll have that question answered. When the Carolina Panthers travel to the Atlanta Falcons? Or is it the other way around? Are you guys at home? Yes, Carolina, is, Carolina travels to Atlanta. Yes. Oh, and Atlanta's favored by three? Yes, Atlanta <laughs> is a three-point favorite. Uh, which is sad. All right, we'll move on to Eric's. Uh, either surprise or disappointment. Pick it how you want it. Move on. Uh, so after this week, uh, my biggest disappointment in the NFL, um, and this just goes back to everything we heard for the last two years, Justin Fields, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the next Peyton Manning, all this hoopla, is the rookie class of the NFL this year of quarterbacks. We got Trevor Lawrence, seven touchdowns, eight interceptions. Zach Wilson, four touchdowns, nine interceptions. Trey Lance, three touchdowns, one interception. Minimal playing time, though. Justin Fields, two touchdowns, six interceptions. And Mac Jones, nine touchdowns, six interceptions. I mean, for all the hype that was coming around these guys and having them all get picked within the first, what, 15 picks of the, of, of the, you know, of the draft, they're, it, they're, it's just piss-poor football. I understand Trevor Lawrence has a terrible coaching situation, terrible team. But, I mean, this is, it's just not looking good for these guys, and I'm just – I'm just disappointed in him because I thought at least Justin Fields or maybe they're just not using him right in Chicago, but they're not letting this man run the ball. They're just, they're not protecting him. They're not calling plays for him. It Maybe it's, maybe it's coaches not giving rookie quarterback systems where they can flourish. That's what I'm disappointed in. And then biggest surprise, uh, man, I don't, I don't really have one. Biggest surprise, I guess the Eagles can't stop the run. That was that we we hung our hat on that all our for the last five years we have we invest hundreds of millions of dollars in this defensive line and we cannot stop Kenyon Drake. Come on, big biggest surprise. Eagles give the ball to the running back seven times on the first drive, scores him a touchdown, and then promptly abandon the run. Yeah, one drive, on it. one one drive at a time, right? Next I mean, next week it'll be two drives giving the ball to the running back. I don't understand. The dude was the OC for the Indianapolis Colts, and they and they run the ball all the time. I don't know what's going on. Does he just not have faith in our guys, or I don't know? Maybe it's because our O line is just torn up right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell you about the Eagles. I remember I watched the first drive. I text the group, "Holy fuck!" Sirianni realizes he has running backs. You looked unstoppable. Six of seven touches went to the running backs. You scored that touchdown. Unreal. 
And then after that, I, I didn't understand what was happening. And somehow Jalen Hurts still ended up saving my fantasy week. God bless that man. But <clears throat> with that being said, we'll move on to my biggest surprise. I'm going to start with surprise. My biggest surprise is going to be Carson, much maligned Wentz. Let me ask you something. When you think of the Indianapolis Colts and you hear the game, you hear the sentence, four straight games with multiple touchdown passes and zero turnovers, which quarterbacks come to mind? Justin Herbert. I said Indianapolis Colts. Oh, Philip Rivers. Peyton. All right. There's only two quarterbacks that have done it. It is Peyton Manning and Carson much maligned Wentz. Carson Wentz is looking, I don't know, good at football again, despite having two sprained ankles, missing his entire training gap, and his offensive line being hurt. It's and playing like- in a torrential downpour. And a torrential downpour. He threw a ball to Michael Pittman where he said, go up and get it, young blood. Put it in the top shelf where the kids can't get it. Michael Pittman was just like, that's easy money, Carson. I got you in the rain. If it weren't for Naheem Hines, Carson Wentz would have three touchdowns at 250 yards. Naheem Hines dropped an 80-yard touchdown. He, he was so open, he could have walked to the end zone and scored if he would have caught that ball. Yeah, if one of the quarterbacks, if one of the cornerbacks would have called him, they would have been charged roaming. That's how far away he was. It was unreal. Carson Wentz looks like he might be turning around, and the Colts are the only competitive team in the AFC South, uh, you know, compared to the Titans. And then I, I don't know where I want to go with biggest disappointment. I really don't know. Uh, Saints could be one of the disappointments. Uh, Robert Sala looking completely unprepared to be a head coach in the NFL could be one of the disappointments. I with think- shame, with shame also combined with this year, the Chiefs year this year, I don't think Eric Pieniemy is getting a job for a while. <laughs> uh, not for a while. This is the USC gig. Yeah, but biggest disappointment is going to go to Kyle Shanahan. I'm going to stick in the same game. Stay with me now. Kyle Kyle Shanahan traded up for Dante Pettis. No longer on the team. Kyle Shanahan traded up for Brandon Ayuk. Good Lord. Is he already getting traded to another team? Seems like it. Kyle Shanahan... Traded up for Trey Sermon. Another rookie running back has taken his spot already. Elijah Mitchell. Kyle Shanahan has officially made himself too smart to coach an NFL football team. He is out coaching himself. Elijah Mitchell, you watched this game against the Colts? Did you guys watch this? Yes. Elijah Mitchell had 18 carries for 107 yards. Every time he touched the ball, it was six or seven yards, six or seven yards, six or seven yards. 
I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. In football, that is a good number to pick up every time. Yeah, almost double a good number. Yeah, it's almost double a good number. Elijah Mitchell touched the ball, I believe, seven times on the first drive, marched that ball by himself downfield, punched it into the end zone, and Kyle Shanahan decided not to run the football anymore. He said, hey, you know what? It's raining. George Kittle isn't on my team right now. Brandon Ayuk's a bum. Dante Pettis is gone. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make Jimmy Garoppolo continue to drop back and throw this football. He couldn't even snap the ball correctly. Yep. Jimmy Garoppolo has officially played himself into the doghouse, and I know it was raining, and I'm not trying to bury this man. It, but it's painfully obvious he's not the quarterback anymore. He should not be the quarterback anymore. If Carson Wentz, who we all don't consider as good as Jimmy Garoppolo because of, he just got traded. If Carson Wentz can outduel you in the rain in your home field, there's something wrong here. You probably don't deserve to be a quarterback. You probably don't deserve to be the quarterback. Kyle Shanahan, when he was asked if Jimmer Garoppolo was a starter, his quote was, well, looks like it. Or what was it? (laughs) Well, looks like it, or I guess so. Sounds like ringing confidence to me. We're talking about the man who orchestrated the 28-3 to collapse that we all make fun of to this day. It's time to admit Kyle Shanahan may not be as good as he thinks he is. So, biggest disappointment, Kyle Shanahan. Get your head out of your ass. Your team is too talented to be doing this. Play Brandon Ayuk and suck it up. He he has this, he thinks he's so good that he can make the next Brandon Ayuk. That's his problem. It doesn't matter what running back I have. I can make a good running back. Well, you know what would help if you had a good running back and then you made him good. C1 Terrell Davis. Daddy did it pretty good. It's unreal. It's time to call Kyle Shanahan out. And if no one else wants to do it, no one wants to call Patrick Mahomes out. Nick did it. I was like, all right, good. I don't have to do that anymore. I can call it the next person on my list. Kyle Shanahan, get your shit together, bro. With that being said, let's move into week eight. Let's get on a more positive note. We'll do the head-to-head. Let me recap the head-to-head. As always, podcast motto is fade us. I seem to be the only one who understands what fade us means. Because, um, yeah, we'll just get into it. Tampa Tam is currently sitting at four and three after losing New Orleans minus five and a half. <laughs> Which, oh, man, that game, that game was rough. <laughs> I don't know if you watched that game. That was, whoo, that rain got your bet. Then we'll go into Nick, who's three and four after winning New England minus seven, which in hindsight, was that not the freest money on the board? Oh, it was so great. And I <laughs> took it and your boy took it twice because I got opening line Pats minus six and a half. And then I got Pats at a touchdown, even money. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it turns out, what was it? 54, 13. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was not close. It was not a game that I'm sweating over. And then uh, 
you know, podcast stud who continues to make you guys money at home, which is all I care about. I don't care about winning head to head, but we have, I had Houston plus 17 and a half tried to get Houston plus 20 before the game started was denied by my humble and gracious co-host and then big head. And you know, and I didn't even, wouldn't even have mattered. If you guys would have gave me plus 20, it would have been even more embarrassing. I unfortunately did take plus 20 before the game. <laughs> and it was embarrassing. <laughs> I did take it. Uh, no football team should be losing by 20. No, none. Like, if it happens, oh. it happens. But you shouldn't come in plus twenty and then lose by more. Like you uh, before before <laughs> the before the Texans or after the Texans lost, teams are now thirteen and six when uh, when when uh, f- when dogs by nineteen or more points. Thirteen and six. So they added to the six. Yes. Well, that's embarrassing. All right, so. Uh, with that being said, we'll go ahead and get into our head-to-head picks, then we'll talk about some of the other bets we like on the board. It looks like Eric has so graciously already given us his pick without actually telling us on the podcast because he's too good to talk. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict Dallas-Minnesota over 55. Yeah. <laughs> that's weird. I was just typing it in to get ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm okay talking, but that's, that's, that's definitely my head-to-head pick. So, Eric, go ahead and pick Dallas, Minnesota over 55. What do you got, Nick? So, I want your guys' opinion on something. Okay. I want to keep riding a bet that automatically hit last week, which was the New England getting a t- or giving a touchdown. I want to ride New England plus five and a half this week. But... I'm also looking at Buffalo minus 13 and a half before it moves to a tu- to two tutties. What are we thinking? Give me the two options one more time. I kind of spaced on the first one. Buffalo minus 13 and a half at home against Miami or New oh, England shit. on the road in Los Angeles against the Chargers getting five and a half points Ooh. after learning to run the ball last week. Chargers can be run on. They give up the most yards to running backs this year. That's it. We're moving on. My <laughs> pick, New England Patriots plus five and a half. Lock it in. I will ride the Patriots until they lose my head-to-head, which they will not because I'm coming back on Eric's bitch ass with the Pats. Yeah, I mean, I'm already the front runner, so who cares about Eric's bitch ass? So it's so funny how I have stats lined up to help you pick a bet no matter what, but I seem to be zero and seven right now. Yeah, well, you that's you're you're a, you're a, you're more of a helper. Yeah, I don't you were the champion me. last year, so you you know what it takes to get to the top, and now you're helping the young yeah. rooks get there. Exactly. So with that being said, I'm going to take a Monday night football bet. New York Giants money line. So, I'm going to blow your mind here. The NFL model, which so far, picking against the spread, 
this year is 14-4-2. The two are pushes. That's a 70% rate. That's 10.1 units. Overall, when you throw money line and over-unders in, 21-11-2, the model is. That's 62%, 13 units so far on the year. The model's humming right now. The model predicts New York Giants, Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs win this game 28-25. to One of my bets of the week that I personally plus took. Plus 10. Was wow. Giants plus 10. That's a great bet then. And the line has come down since open from Giants plus 13. So expect some late week action, a late week rise back up to that Giants plus 13. So I would wait and see if you can get Giants plus 11 or maybe a Giants plus 12. Giants plus 13 is free money. It has to be. Giants plus 13 is free money. I'm looking at Giants plus 10 right now. I think that's free money. And I'm looking at plus 345. Giants money line. Book it. Cash it. Danielle Beckham Jones is going to sauce all over Patty Mahomes and win this football game. You heard it here first. Just letting you know. So a couple of other bets, like I said, the model is humming. A couple of other bets that they like this week or that I we like this week in terms of we being the model. Cincinnati giving 10 points at the Jets. That has to be free money with how Cincinnati's playing. Well, and Zipper Zachy Will's out. Yeah. Cincinnati minus 10, that's free money. Tennessee, so this, this line opened. Tennessee is at the Colts. This line opened. Colts minus one and a half. It is so far switched flipped. to flipped to Tennessee minus one and a half. I will take Colts money line. I'm taking Colts money line. Okay. Another game that we haven't talked about, Washington and Denver. Washington is not really that good, and Denver is Denver not, is not bad. Not really that good. <laughs> Denver is bad, but their offense is better than their defensive struggles, if that makes sense. Washington, their defense is not as good as their offense, if that makes any sense. They allow way more points. In fact, Denver actually has a top five defense in terms of scoring this year, whereas Washington has a sub 24th in the league, both offense and defense. Their offense in terms of scoring is 24th in the league. Their defense is 28th in the league in terms of scoring. Denver has also a 27th ranked offense. So they're not that good. But I'm taking Denver. And this line uh, opened at Denver minus four and a half. So far, it has dropped down to Denver minus three. And expect a little bit more movement down underneath that number. So minus, I would wait. Denver minus two and a half. Book it. Take that. Denver back. minus two and a half would be a book it. And Carolina Panthers money line. Oh man, that is gonna hit you hard this week. I want it to be. I want it to say it's a homer pick, but our model thinks Carolina wins uh, twenty-seven to or twenty-nine to twenty-seven on the same things that I just said about Denver, right? Atlanta or Denver and Washington. Atlanta has a, the seventh-ranked scoring offense, but the last in the league, the league worst scoring defense. 
And Carolina has a 26th-ranked scoring offense, but a number 11 scoring defense in the league. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that hits, bro. But I it is, I- but it is Carolina in Atlanta, and Carolina just somehow finds ways not to win games in Atlanta. The the problem is is, is last four games, Atlanta is a different team. And last four games, Carolina's a different team. <laughs> and unfortunately, CMC is not walking through that door this week. Uh, I will allow allow it because it's not out of the realm of possibility or the range of outcomes, but I really don't see Carolina winning that game. I mean, I hope they win, though, because the Falcons are awful. Uh, some of the other bets that <laughs> – Based on the fact that the Cardinals just crushed a plus 20 line, Rams at minus 14 and a half. Oh, actually, you know what? Tyrod Taylor's coming back. I was surprised you didn't take Houston plus 14 and a half. No, I got burned already. Can't go back to it, dude. <laughs> so Giants money line it is. It's a good pick. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't have anything else for the Well, actually, I do have one final tid, tidbit now that I look at this. We like to talk about teams coming off a bye. So let me give you some records for all the teams that are coming off a bye and some stats with them. Buffalo in the reign of Sean Payton, or sorry, um, uh, Sean McDermott, is since 2017 is 4-0 coming off the bye with a six-point average margin of victory. Okay? So Buffalo money line is, is a they're, they're, I think, minus 850 right now, something that you can play in a parlay. Another one that you can parlay them with, Dallas. Dallas is 3-1 and one since 2017, and Mike McCarthy as a starting coach since 2006 is 12-5 and five coming off the bye. Okay. Minnesota is 4-4 four and four coming off a bye in Leslie Frazier's uh, time there. Pittsburgh under Mike Tomlin since 2007 Les- is 12- Leslie Frazier. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike Zimmer. Jesus, I, I don't know why I said Leslie Frazier. Mike Mike Zimmer, uh, in his reign there, is four and four coming off the bye in Minnesota. Not really any betting action there. Pittsburgh since 2007 is 12 and five with a six point average margin of victory under Mike Tomlin. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, obviously, since they have a new coach since 2017, they're two and two. Uh, and Jacksonville since 2017, since they have a new coach under Urban Meyer, is one and three coming off the bye. Okay. It's so funny. I was about to mention that Pittsburgh plus three and a half is a great line right now. Pittsburgh plus three and a half is a great line. Case Keenum is most likely playing again. Who knows the health of Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb is supposed to play, but Deonis Johnson's probably going to play there. Pittsburgh's defense is starting to round into form. Mike Tomlin's a terrific coach, like Nick just said, 12 and 5 off the bye. And you're getting you're they're la- they're getting laid three and a half points. And it's okay. gone up to and and it's going up to it opened uh Cleveland minus 3. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So if you're looking for any juice plus 165 Pittsburgh terrific plus three and a half terrific. This Philadelphia Eagles-Detroit-Lions game, does this not feel like the game? Does this not feel like the game that Dan Campbell wins? Like, this is where he gets his win? This feels like a game where the over hits. Both teams have terrible defenses. 
but then yeah. terrible offenses as well, I guess. So, yeah, I, I but I do agree with you. Dan Campbell gets his first win at home with Philly coming in. Sorry, Eric. Yeah, so plus 155, Detroit. It's it's wildly interesting there. Is that the lowest they've been all year? <laughs> no. Plus 155? No, I think they've been a slightly lower earlier in the year. Oh, okay. I think it was I think it might have been in the second game when they played uh when they played, I think they played Green Bay. Green Bay just got smacked by the Saints. Oh right, yeah. The after the thirty-eight to three drubbing. Yeah. So those two, and then what was where was the other bet? Where's the other bet that I liked? Nope, that was it. So those two dogs, I I very much like. I would take those two dogs and I'd throw them into a parlay. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There is no chance the Buccaneers lose this week. They are about to smack the Saints in the Superdome, and it's going to be embarrassing. I don't know if you've been watching the Saints. I don't. I cannot make heads or tails of this team, but they are not good enough to stop this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Parlay, parlay those two dogs, Tampa Bay, right? Take money line, might as well just make it a money line parlay. Dallas Cowboys, and I'm going to go ahead and pick the Green Bay Packers this Thursday for that for the fifth and final choice of this parlay. All signs are pointing to there's no chance the Packers win this game. Devontae Adams is out. Alan Lazard is out. You, me, and Eric are running routes for them, and us three, and maybe Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> you know, maybe who might knows? as well be a Mercedes Benz out there. <laughs> yeah, might, might as well. And for some reason, I can't not wrap my head around Aaron Rodgers being the one to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Right. This seems First, like a game that Aaron Rodgers just gets hyped for, and just it just is like that X factor in a video game where you're like you just can't stop him. Yeah, and here's the thing. The top five records in the NFL right now are all NFC teams. Right? Undefeated Cardinals, one loss Packers, one loss Rams. Uh, one, what is it? One loss Buccaneers. And, uh, oh, one loss Cowboys. Those are the top five teams right now. Packers win this game. Everyone else closes out. You end up in a in a perpetual tie for first place. All the teams in one loss. This seems like, and everyone's going to be doubting Green Bay, right? Because Devonte Adams isn't playing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I just don't think the secondary is good enough to stop Aaron Rodgers throwing people open. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not that it's not that crazy of a of a notion. So if you're sitting there, you're watching this line, you're waiting for Thursday action. Wait for the news of Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard to push this line further. I believe it opened Arizona minus six. It, no, it opened Arizona minus three, and then we got hit with the Devontae Adams news, and it jumped from Arizona minus three and a half to Arizona minus six. Oh, because of Devontae Adams. Yeah, I guess. And I and I think Lazard too as well. Okay, so I think this line can get to 
plus seven and a half. Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, probably the the, the way to bet this game, right? The way to bet this game would be would be to wait, right, and hope and basically hope that people continue to hammer Arizona with the news that Lazard and Adams are out, including early Sunday action. Right, so most betting action and most line movements. So here's how it works: most line movement happens after Monday night football in the beginning of the week, the Monday Tuesday. Right, lines are set. There's initial movement in lines because betters will bet. Then Monday Tuesday, there's action. It'll basically stay the same until Sunday morning, and Sunday morning around nine or ten. This is a is Thursday w- game. What? This is the Thursday game. Oh, right. This is the Thursday game. You're right. So on Thursday, right right before this game, look for betters to drive up mm-hmm. this Arizona line. And then you need to get this Arizona line at seven or seven or sorry, Green Bay line at plus seven or plus seven and a half because the Sharps are instantly going to drive it down back because yeah. because Sharps love. So for those of you who don't know, Sharps are professional betters and they love line movement in terms of point. They look at it as points. What a line opened and what a line closes at before game time. They love driving the line back towards what it opened at. Because Vegas is generally smarter than us. They open a line unless something crazy happens. They're going to look at it and they're going to say, if it opened minus three, Devonte Adams and Alan Lazard are not worth four and a half points. And they're going to drive it back down. So that's what you need to do. Wait for it to get driven up about an hour before the game on Thursday night and then bet Packers plus seven, plus seven and a half. Absolutely. And like we said, this game, it screams Cardinals have no shot at losing. Therefore, you pick the Packers. And at the very least, you get, you pick the Packers laying points. If you want to feel froggy, at plus 225 right now, Packers is juicy. And if it keeps going up, that money line is going to keep going up. So you get that at plus two fifty, might as well. Yeah, I do not. Sure. I, I do not think that it's as much of a blow as we think. Aaron Rodgers is what since the Saints game. Aaron Rodgers has thrown fifteen touchdowns and one interception. Wow, <laughs> like, that's that's crazy. Like he's outstanding right now this feels like a game buccaneers easily handle business rams easily handle business you know what i mean bucks Mm -hmm. versus saints business handled rams versus texans business handles uh cowboys versus vikings it feels like business handled and then we end up with five teams with one loss in nfc and you know it starts getting interesting the odds literally just changed on the over-under on this. Did they? Because they heard us talking about it. I guess so. The under went from minus 110. So fit under 51, minus 110 just moved to minus 115. Well, there you go. Over went from minus 110 to minus 105. 51's a lot of points, but I feel like that I feel like that can hit. We cause line movement here on this professional podcast. <laughs> there you go. All right. So that's all I've got. You got anything else, Nick? No, guys. Uh, thanks for supporting the podcast. I hope you guys are, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, this is kind of, 
the most that I've stuck with a model. I'm really excited about this, about this NFL model. It's doing really well to start off the year. I hope you're fading Jermaine and I hope you're taking these model picks. And that's really all I got. Yeah. Combine the two. We're making you a ton of money here. As always, remember podcast model, motto, fade us, not podcast model, podcast motto, fade us. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at podcast room 303. We're going to begin posting uh, our spread bets based on the model. We'll be giving them out for free. We're going to begin posting NBA bets, NBA models back live. We're going to be posting some uh, postseason game bets if we come with any. We'll start posting more and more, which we say I feel like every episode, but we'll legitimately do this this time. Uh, With that being said, I don't think we have anything else for you, so we'll see you next time when you come on down and step into the room.